Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the call up. It is Wednesday, December 14th. I'm Aram Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And man, we've got a big trade to talk about. We're going to also talk about prospects who can make an impact, potentially break camp with each of the big league teams that we're going to fly through at least one notable prospect that'll break camp that has not debuted yet, but really excited to break down this Sean Murphy deal, which we promised in the last episode we were going to get into a little bit more. The trade kind of went down right as we were recording the Rule 5 draft recap. So here we are to you know break down this Sean Murphy deal, which is a head-scratcher for a lot of people. We're going to try to make some sense of it um, because I think there is some little silver linings here and then talk about a prospect that could break camp for each big league team. Uh, Jack, how much have you been wanting to talk about this Sean Murphy return a bit further? I know you talked a little bit about it on the Just Baseball show. Yeah, I I wanted to talk about trades for a long time Mm -hmm. because it's been a minute since Mm -hmm. we last talked about a trade and we can't flex our deep cut. You know, like it's like if you say your favorite artist is this underground rapper that four people have heard of. Um, you can't flex your muscles when it comes to the Grammy Awards, right? We can't no. flex our muscles in free agency because all these guys are established big leaguers. So many people yeah. know everything there is to know about these guys. Where we can really help you guys is in trades because chances are for a big name like Sean Murphy, a guy that can contribute to a contending team, uh, there's going to be some prospect capital going back the other way. And, and that's the beauty of trade season. And, and what I love about, you know, what we have in the baseball world, though, is, you know, there's more tools for fans. And and that's great, right? We have MLB Pipeline, which 
at the end of the day is one of the best baselines that you can have because it's so visually appealing. It gives you context and, and, you know, it's, 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 there's no paywall uh, between us and, and I think baseball America, or, you know, sorry, between us and MLB pipeline, that's really it. And obviously MLB pipelines a little bit more established than us, but when it comes to free prospect content, that's about it. And MLB pipeline goes 30 players on every team. You also have the trade machine, which I freaking hate, but it <laughs> is a good baseline tool, but the trade machines kind of tied in with that because it, it values it on some of the publicly and available and surface level prospect rankings. I'm also leaving fan graphs out of here as well. They, they are free also. Um, but you know, it, it is definitely one of those things where I'm always eager to provide more contact co- context because you're seeing people say, oh, well, this guy's 28th in in the you know brave system. You know, why, yeah. why would they want this guy? Or, you know, this guy is only a 2.4 value in the trade machine. You know, this is a horrible trade. I do think that they did not do great, but there's more context to be added to this whole thing. If you want to piss us off, tweet us screenshots oh. of MLB trade machine. It's oh. it's funny for me. I know it gets a bit more visceral reaction from you, but I would love it. Like if you guys have the the dumbest trades that like go through as No, I encourage those. I, I encourage the worst ones possible. Like like expose that thing. Expose you can that. Put some thing. crazy stuff in there. Yes, um, absolutely. Like Anthony Rendon having like a minus one fifty value on there. Like you can trade Rendon and Otani for like a, a middling prospect. Yeah, yes. because they cancel each other out. So, yeah, um, yeah like send us those crazy screenshots. And, and you're right. Like they do provide a service of giving you a ballpark estimate for value. And, and Anthony Rendon, like minus one fifty. Okay, that contract is immovable. We know that, and that's why that value is like that. Um, and, and the top flight prospects have a higher prospect valuation on that thing than the lower level prospects. Uh, but again, you got to take that as a ballpark valuation. Yeah. You cannot take that as God's word. Yeah, and I think it does a really good job on the high level prospects. Um, you know, the, before we get into the deal, I, I think where there's a gap is you know some of the lesser scouted prospects that from team to team and an example in this trade would be Roy Salinas, who, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll do the full trade breakdown in a second, but, you know, tying into this point, Salinas, who, who goes over to the A's in this deal, you know, in the trade machine is going to have a very marginal value. But, you know, when you look at, at what maybe the A's see Salinas as and, and what the Braves probably looked at him as, and, you know, what teams who have the data on him and, and the numbers and have seen him throw and, and have scouted him, He's worth a lot more than whatever whatever marginal value that the, the trade machine kind of spit out. But right now, the prospect rankings that are publicly available have not been updated to reflect that just yet. Uh, I guarantee they will be, you know, after this trade because people are going to hear a little bit more on on these prospects that that were sent over, specifically Salinas, who I think is one of the more overlooked guys in this deal. But let's go through the full breakdown here because it's a three team deal that. You know, it is definitely fascinating. So the Braves get Sean Murphy. That's it, right? That That's literally it. The Brewers who come into this deal, and I think they make out the best besides the Braves who get Sean Murphy. Yeah. Um, they get William Contreras. They also get reliever Joe Pi- Joel Piamps and then yeah. prospects Justin uh, prospect Justin Yeager. They part with Asturi Ruiz, which we were just talking about. Like, where does Ruiz fit in with all of these outfielders? We're going to talk about guys that are going to debut. Um, and and the Brewers have several of them in the outfield that should debut potentially break camp this year. So 
He was expendable, and now they add a guy that they think they can turn around behind the dish who is guaranteed going to be one of their better bats immediately. And then, of course, the A's, they get Kyle Muller, they get Asturi Ruiz, they get Freddie Tarnick, a right-handed pitcher, they get Salinas, a right-handed pitcher, and then they also get Manny Pena to back up at the catching position. They gave up Sean Murphy and reliever Joel Piams. So where where do we start here? Do you want to start with the A's return and break that whole thing down, or do we quickly talk about Contreras? I know he's not a prospect, really, but yeah. I, I still consider him one in a lot of ways. Um, and then get into you know what what the whole package is here for the A's. So are you with me that we don't need to talk about Atlanta at all because they just got Sean Murphy? No, that's that. There. Yeah, we don't we don't need it. Sean that Murphy does. is fantastic. All I'll say on Sean Murphy is. I think a lot of people are aware of how good he is, but I don't think people understand that he's even better than whatever the general consensus is. Look at his home road splits. He's never even better offensive force outside of Oakland. I think he's going to continue to get better. Now he goes to a good lineup and and the defense has continued to get better as well. This guy's going to really solidify himself as a a top three or four catcher in the game, I think, with, with Atlanta. But that's pretty much all we have to say there. Yeah, so I, I think we can quickly go through Milwaukee's return and then we can hit um yeah, we can hit uh wait, uh Oakland. Yeah. Massive prospect. I, return. They're already forgetting about Oakland. I mean, it, it, just to call me A's, because you know, I th- I think this is really I, I really do believe this is a, a full-fledged effort to, you know, prove that baseball can't survive in Oakland uh by making the team as undesirable as possible and say, okay, I guess we gotta move them. You know, and, and I, I really think that's what Fisher's doing over here um, yeah. with, with this ball club. But, you know, that, that's for another time. That's some more just baseball show stuff. But <laughs> we'll start with Jaeger because it's quick. But but Justin Jaeger was unprotected in the rule five, you know, didn't get selected. So, you know, it kind of gives you a context of, of his value. Um, yeah. Doesn't mean he's not a good arm. And and I do think he, he has some some good left handed or, you know, some good right handed reliever upside, excuse me. Uh, fastball that sits at 96 and a good slider in the upper 80s. Both generated a lot of whiff. He struggled with command, um, but struck out 37% of batters last year. So, you know, I think you're hoping you get a 6'4 righty reliever here. He's going to be 25 by the time the season starts, but uh, not not a bad, you know, flyer prospect to get thrown in there if you're the Brewers who, you know, I, I would have done it for William Contreras straight up. They get a, a middle reliever in Piamps and Jaeger who has a chance to be a, a high leverage reliever with the stuff, the quality of stuff. It's just, you know, how does it develop? Um, I don't think you have much to add on Jaeger, right? You want to just get into to Contreras? Yeah, I don't have much to add on Jaeger. Real quick on Joel Piamps. He, this guy is, you know, bigger guy, 6'2", 225. He pitches like that. 28 years old. He's going to be 29 on opening day, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 41 appearances between Kansas City and Oakland. And those are two bad bullpens this past year. Yeah. Uh, and he put together an ERA in the low threes. Yeah. He's not a strikeout guy. Six and a half Ks per nine. What he is is a ground ball guy over a 50% ground ball rate roll. So in, he stays that, that works in Milwaukee. That works, it works in Milwaukee, in Milwaukee yeah. big time. Those are the guys that they need. Um, you needed protection for Devin Williams now that Hader is gone. Uh, and I think that they just got it with Piamps. But the big thing is they've got a guy to throw to now, especially with Narvaez on the open market and William Contreras. How do you feel about his ability to stick behind the plate for a full season? Like as a primary catcher, do you enjoy the idea of William Contreras? No. Um, but I think that question was a little, was a little loaded, right? Because, um, yeah. and I know why you loaded it that way. Um, 
No, and I think you you know you're going to have to give up more than a Stewie Ruiz if William Contreras is is a competent you know defensive catcher for 162 uh, because of what he did offensively. That said, you know I I think down the line you know he's he's not even 25 yet. Down the line, I do believe that Contreras can be a good defensive catcher. This guy is a good athlete. He's got the tools. We, we we've seen what it, what his brother can do too. And I know his brother's not the best defender in the world, but you know I I was already reading some of the things that the Brewers front office said. They felt very optimistic that they can you know develop him as a defensive catcher. And here's the thing, man. Like he's such a good hitter. And and this was a team that if if there was one team that could use the offensive minded catcher as much as anybody, it's the Brewers who just need bats in any way, right? I mean, they, they're returning Willie Adamas, who had 31 home runs last year, and, and that's it when it comes to, to the power department, right? I mean, nobody else that had more than 20 is returning because the only other guy that had more than 20 was Hunter Renfro. So, you know, this could easily be the second best bat, power bat in their lineup, depending on what version of Christian Yelich they get next year. And um, I, I do think he can be a passable defender. I, I think, though, in this first year, split time with a backup. Uh, the way this offense is, Contreras is going to be a DH. And again, it's going to be one of their best bats. So you don't need him catching every day, ease him into that. And, and I do think down the line though, he can be a passable catcher for 162, especially if we have some strike zone adjustments and, you know, some of the rules that we're seeing potentially being implemented here. But I, I do think Contreras can be more than good enough. Yeah. And, and older bro is really going to benefit from the automatic strike zone. So you have to think that a younger bro is, is going to finish or is going to benefit from the automatic strike zone. 153 games in his career to this point. He played four games in 2020, 52 and 21, 97 in his all-star campaign this past year. Guy's got 28 homers in 153 yeah. games. So he is getting uh, acclimated to major league pitching. And obviously, he's excelling. The RBI numbers are not necessarily there. He wasn't being put in very solid situations to drive in runs consistently. Um, and he, frankly, wasn't getting ample playing time, right? 97 games in an all-star season. Uh, and he was playing some, what, corner outfield, right? Yeah. He was playing some DH. Like, he doesn't need to do that now. William Contreras, instead of being an afterthought and the 10th or 11th guy on the totem pole in Atlanta, is now the 4th or 5th guy on the totem pole in Milwaukee, that's got to benefit him. That feels very Willie Adamas-esque, where he became one of the offensive focal points in Milwaukee after being yeah. an afterthought in Tampa, and he really benefited from that. I know that Willie Adamas like, couldn't see in Tropicana Field, but uh, I, I also think confidence has a big thing to, to say in that. So I think that William Contreras is set up for success there, and I love the backup situation with Caratini. I know that Narvaez is a free agent, but I love the idea of a veteran switch hitter in Victor Caratini ready to spell Contreras. Yep. And, and, and here's the thing is, you know, Contreras demolishes lefties. He, he really did last year, 936 OPS. So, you know, you're going to be able to mix and match, throw him at the DH spot, maybe even yeah, you could still be thrown into the outfield if you really needed it. Obviously, they're fine right there uh, with some of the the youngsters that they have coming up who we're going to talk about. But, you know, I, I really think they get a huge bat added to this lineup here for limited cost. Right. They give up a story Ruiz who they got in that that hater trade. And, you know, we talked about how it's kind of be a tough decision for them. Right. Like, where does Ruiz fit in? Because, you know, he's still getting acclimated to center field. I think he can be a good defensive center fielder. Um, but, you know, they, they've got other guys there. They've got Freelick, right? They've got Garrett Mitchell. They've got Joey Weimer. And then they've got the guys that are already there now. Um, 
it, it made sense to make this deal for them. And I think it just kind of fell right into the Brewers lap uh, as a perfect scenario for them. And I think they've got to be pretty thrilled with how they made out in this one. Yeah, a hundred percent. And we were talking about the Ruiz situation. We can just dive into it right now. Like there was no space for him in no. the long-term plans. So there, there was going to be no space for one of these guys. And to be totally honest, I think they identified the right guy. I, I think there is way more to dream on yep. elsewhere. The other one that kind of flirts with that conversation is Garrett Mitchell. And I don't think Garrett Mitchell gets you William Contreras. I don't think so. So yes. I think that they ID'd where they needed help. Um, and they ID'd what they can give up, where they have this gluttony of riches. And so much of what we wanted to talk about, because Weaver plays like such a different game than yeah. Freelick and Estaria Ruiz. So it was never going to be Weimer or Ruiz as the conversation. It was always going to be Freelick and Ruiz. Mm-hmm. Sal Freelick, not only do we love because of the makeup in our conversation with him, but the dude stood on his effing head in double A and triple A. He was unfreaking believable. Yeah. And when you've got a guy like that with that type of makeup, you cannot move off of him. You have to put all of your eggs in that basket. And it feels like they are. And, you know, when you go on the Oakland side, you know, why they would potentially maybe want to do this is on the Ruiz, you know, acquisition. Remember, they got Christian Pache. And, and I think the worst trade and like, I, I really do think the Olsen trade was worse, <laughs> which, you know, I, I I think it's early to say that. Right. Because we, the Olsen trade has had some time to kind of unfold a little bit. And Shea could be the franchise catcher, that kind of That's thing. That's the yeah. thing. That's the thing. But I like just just the value of Pache there, they they swung for the fences, right? They were hoping, and they still are hoping, right? Like there's a there's a five percent chance that you get a superstar in Christian Pache, and they were willing to roll the dice on that. But I think acknowledging that now with this deal, they get an Asturi Ruiz who is kind of the opposite. Like I, I I don't know what his ceiling is because he doesn't impact the baseball enough, but his floor seems to be pretty high. That seems to be the consensus, right? Is like okay, this guy has a good approach, 84% zone contact, doesn't chase much at all, elite, elite speed, is always going to swipe bags, is continuing to get better in center field. You figure he's going to be an above average defender out there. So, you know, we saw the numbers he put up in AAA. Exit velos are not fantastic. And I saw some some things highlighted on by people on Twitter about his hard hit rate in AAA and at the big league level. And, you know, it's definitely worth monitoring. I think he can hit the ball hard enough to survive with his speed and, you know, I think mean, he should be a gap to gap guy, but you know, to me, this is kind of the contingency plan, like the backup plan to Pache, who you know seems to be less and less likely to pan out uh, as he continues to struggle at the big league and AAA level. Uh, I think this is them saying, like, hey, you know, we're acknowledging Pache is probably not going to work out. We don't really have any uh, upper minor outfielders, especially guys capable of playing center field at a high level. And, you know, like, let's try to answer that position for now and moving forward. And, you know, Ruiz makes them better immediately uh, because they didn't have a better option than him right now. And, and you know, be- between Pache and, and, and whoever else they were going to roll out there because Loriano has been more in the corner. And I think Ruiz does help them now and moving forward. Again, we'll go through the rest of the deal because I know there's some other guys y- you are excited to talk about, specifically Kyle Muller, who I would – it makes it it makes it hard to sell this trade, but I would say that Moeller is probably the headliner, quote unquote. Then you also have right-hander Freddie Tarnick, right-hander Roy Salinas, and then you know Manny Pena is going to probably be the backup catcher there. Yeah. Anything else on Ruiz? You know, I, again, I think the ceiling you're hoping for here is is uh, you know a high 200s average, 
a, a solid on base percentage because he does walk. He's not going to slug much at all, but, but he's, he's going to steal bases, a ton of bags, and you hope he blossoms into a special defensive center fielder. That could be a really good player. Yes, it could be a really good player. You're hoping that he is a healthy Mondesi in the outfield, right? Fastest yeah, student baseball. I think that's very fair. Yeah. So, and that is a very valuable player. Just one last thing to tie it up. And I, I know that you don't like hammering this into oblivion, but I will hammer it into oblivion. Like, I don't think it clicks for many people just how bad Christian Pache has been in his major league taste. Yeah. 115 games. He played two games in 2020. So those don't really count. He was one for four. Um, but 22 games with the Braves in 21, 91 games with the A's in 22, 115 games. This guy is slashing 156, 205, 234 for a 439 OPS. Yeah. Like if if the ship, if we're talking about the ship sailing on Kelnick, the ship is already in the middle of the ocean for Christian Pache. It's bad. Um, and then in Vegas, played 41 games there. It 248, 298, 389. That's that was the a concern. sub 690 OPS when you're playing in zero gravity. Yeah. Um, that's a big problem. The other big problem is this was a guy that stolen bases were somewhat part of his game when he was coming up. Two stolen bases was caught twice in Oakland, 41 games, one for two in the stolen base department in Vegas. So, like, what are you really hoping for here with him? Because he hasn't shown you legitimately anything in the last calendar year. Well, it's crazy. It's an 80 glove in center, right? Like it really is like that, um, or at least a 70 glove in center. Yeah, but those guys aren't employable anymore. Not not when you can't hit at all. Um, and, you know, he just turned 24. And, you know, I've been sounding the alarms on Pache since, you know, 2019. Because I just, you know, when he put up the 134 WRC plus and people were celebrating him as a top 10 prospect in the game, you know, I just didn't see it offensively. And uh, I, I that's where I hate, like you said, like I hate, I don't want to be right about that. Like, I, I hope it clicks for him. And, you know, Braves fans at the time were rubbing it in my face, right? Like, this this guy's career. But I think it's very clear that he was even tinkering in AAA and trying to find it so that he could get back there. And it kind of compounded the issues. So I think this is kind of one last blank slate, try again, you know, and see how it goes, kind of opportunity for him. And, and I'm interested to see how that goes. But he's got more pressure now at the same time because his story Ruiz is, is, is ready to go, right? Like and he's already, already better than him. He's already better point. than he is. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that all shakes out, but it does kind of take the pressure off of the A's for this miracle that Pache pans out. And now they're playing with house money a little bit with Pache. Cause again, he could still be a superstar um, if he could just hit a little bit, uh, and, but and hindsight turns Langoliers into the headliner of that Olsen deal. Well, I said it at the, de- at the time, that was yeah. the one I was at. That's the headliner. And, and he is the headliner and he's going to be a good catcher for some time for them. Um, Kyle Moore. He, you got to see him a bit last year, right? Um, this is a guy you got to see throw a little bit in AAA. Yeah, yeah, I saw him throw twice in the same week, actually. I mean, he and, was spectacular last year. Yeah, like he was. I think he was seven innings the first time, eight innings the second time. Like, and, and that's what I love about Kyle Muller. And I'm not just talking about the good outings here, right? Because he's got 46 days of big league service time. He started 11 games at the major league level. Has an ERA over five. Um, to that, I could say. Okay, like let's panic a little bit, but I'm not going to because he was not getting any opportunities because the Rays were so or the Braves were so deep, even without Soroka. Right. And Kyle Muller was competing with 
Ian Anderson and Huascari Noah and Bryce Elder and Tucker Davidson to crack the big league rotation. Think about that, man. I mean, you had Freed, you had Strider, you had Morton, and you had, you know, any combination of two, Odorizzi for a little bit. Um, And and you've got like the most loaded starting rotation in AAA baseball, and it wasn't close. You had all guys that could be fives for a contending team that were fighting to be the seven or eight. So Muller was under incredibly high stress when he was up at the big league level. Now, zero stress environment. Oakland and he's going to have the chance to start every fifth day at the major league level and I think what this guy does the way he operates on the mound is a very very fun thing for a team to dream on because I wouldn't be shocked if he was like 180 innings next year because all he does is get the ball and pound the strikes off and I mean he's and that was the problem in the big leagues is you know I think he wasn't trusting his stuff because like you said he he can pound the strike zone he did it in the in triple A but you know you see it a lot with prospects once once they get up to the big leagues it's like okay these guys are big league hitters they start fouling off your best pitch and you, they start nibbling a little bit right and I talked about that with Ken Waldachuk you know when he made his debut and, and that's another arm that I think is really exciting that they have in the fold here too it's you know it's not all terrible um but you know when you're looking at at what Kyle Muller can become. He's six foot seven, 250 pounds, right? And he's got a fastball that sits 94 to 95, touching six and seven. He's got a pair of breaking balls that are really good. And the slider in the upper 80s is, is nasty. Um, the curveball is good. He needs to spot it a bit more. And he's mixed in a change that is, is lagging behind his that fourth pitch. But now he has a chance, like you said, to just kind of use it and just go out there and throw. And like if he struggles, he struggles and just compile innings pitch at the big league level, not feel that pressure of, of competing prospects and other guys breathing down your neck as you're, you know, trying to prove your worth for a team that's trying to win a world series. Right. I mean, like talk about trying to trust your stuff. Then Um, I think we're going to see, like you said, a free and easy Kyle Muller. And I think that's really going to help him. I think this guy, you know, ceiling is probably middle of the rotation. I think, you know, he's probably going to land somewhere as a three or a four, uh, which I think is is a really good piece to add here with the control that he has. And uh, I think there's a little bit more upside if he can blossom with the with the change up and the curveball. Uh, but heck, man, if you get a middle of the rotation starter, then you got to be pretty happy with that. Yeah, I think you got to be really happy with it. And I, I the floor is a guy that you can run out there as a sacrificial lamb that's going to give you six innings. And that's not a problem at all. Like. No. Uh, yeah, I think there are going to be some outings where he's just getting teed off on, but everybody's got to go through those and they're going to fly so under the radar this year that I think he's got a chance to really compound confidence after good outing after good outing. And that was going to say, that's my one concern is, you know, the slider is really good. And, and a guy that has two breaking balls as a lefty, you know, how are you going to get righties out? And, you know, that was kind of his issue. He's a little bit worse splits wise against righties. And I think, you know, the games where he is not spotting as well, that's where you're going to see the righties kind of, kind of get on him. And that's where you're going to see him, you know, feel that pressure to use the change up a bit more, find that curveball a bit more. Uh, and, and this is the perfect time to do it. So I think Moeller and Ruiz are going to be 
every day, or not every day, I guess if you're a pitcher, but they're going to be contributors, you know, in that lineup the entire year and and on that roster the entire year. And those are two big league pieces that could be a part of Oakland's future. So at at that part, I think they did okay. Where I'm frustrated is, you know, if you're going to get those two limited upside guys, I'd like the the Tornicks and Salinas's of the world to have a bit more to dream on. I think Salinas is, is a guy that you can really dream on. Um, but I would have liked a little bit more upside, but the, the Braves don't really have that. Um, yep. and, and the Brewers weren't going to part with that. So it kind of is what it is. And and Ken Rosenthal, before we get into Freddie Tarnick and Roy Bersalinas, you know, Ken Rosenthal put out a really interesting piece in the athletic, um, which was you know, really breaking down kind of, you know, what, what the whole trade negotiations were like with the Cardinals and this A's team. And, you know, what it seemed to come down to was the A's wanted one of Brandon Donovan or Lars Newborn. Again, it kind of hammers home the point that the A's want guaranteed contributors, or at least the closest thing to it. The Cardinals said, hey, you're going to pick from Burleson, Yepes, Gorman, and one other prospect, maybe Graceffo. We want you to pick two of those guys, and then we'll mix and match. And yeah. the A's weren't interested in that. So it kind of shows you what the A's are looking for. But once the Cardinals walked away – you know, there weren't really many other teams that were you know, maybe able to kind of match this offer, which is crazy to say, but it seems to be that was the case. So, uh, you know, once we we love to knock these deals, especially when it's Oakland, but you have to wonder what what were some of these other offers and were teams willing to to guarantee some close to big league ready guys that can contribute kind of right away for them and and have that higher floor. Uh, Freddie Tarnick is is even a guy that to a degree has a higher floor, right? He, he did come up for, I think, two thirds of an inning last year, but showed pretty well in AAA and AA. You know, between the two upper minor league level levels last year, averaged more than 10 strikeouts per nine. Uh, you know, the walks are, are something to monitor. It was right, right around three and a half per nine, and it was a, you know, low fours ERA. But Tarnick's got a, a, a 94 to 95 mile an hour fastball that generates a lot of whiff, a really good changeup that I think is close to, you know, plus above average pitch. And he's trying to find that third pitch between his two breaking balls, the curveball and the slider. But 6'3 guy, big arm, just turned 24. It's another guy that could be a back end of the rotation starter as well and has the fallback of being a pretty good reliever. Yeah, I'm not worried about this one. You know what I mean? Like he is, the A's have to fill out their 40-man roster. They have to. And we're at a point where they're looking to just add guys that are 40 man capable. And Freddie Tarnick has proved that he is 40 man capable. And he probably wasn't going to get a shot with Atlanta because, again, they've got all this starting pitching depth. So where do you get it? He's got a chance to start every fifth day uh, in Oakland. And if that doesn't work out, he can be a swingman or, you know, a, a bulk relief guy in the middle innings when games get out of hand. And we assume that a lot of games are going to get out of hand really quickly for the Oakland A's this year. So I think that Freddie Tarnick is going to throw some innings. And this, the light version of Muller is you have a chance to get your feet wet for an entire season of Major League Baseball. Yeah, and, and you know, I think Tarnick's numbers are a little inflated as well, which is interesting because he had two blow-up starts, you know, where he had seven earned runs in AAA and then one where he had six earned runs in AA. But especially in AAA, when you look at those handful of starts, aside from the one seven-inning or seven-run outing, um, three runs or less in every other start, and vast majority of them were actually one run or less in those starts. So this is a guy that could be a solid back end of the rotation starter. And again, you're trying to fill out the 40 men um, and that's how bad it is. That's how dire it is in Oakland. Instead of rolling the dice on, you know, 
high risk, high reward prospects. They want to fill out the 40 man. I can understand that to a degree. Uh, they do get their one flyer in Salinas who, you know, I, I was, I've watched this guy uh, through the, through the year. He caught my attention because he, if I remember correctly, had a couple like 10 K outings where I was like, who is this guy? And I, he actually closed the year out with four and a thirds, 10 Ks against Bowling Green and high a, um, Salinas is a 6'4", 230 stocky guy, 21 years old, mid-90s fastball with ridiculous ride. And he's got a nasty, nasty curveball that tunnels off of that. So this is somebody that is kind of the X factor of this deal, I think, because you know, I think we know like there's some variance with Moer and Ruiz, but the variance is either like, you know, replacement level player or, or, or like slightly above that. You know, I think Moeller can be a little bit more than slightly above that. And I think Ruiz can be a little bit more than slightly above that. Tarnik is more in that, like, can he be a replacement level player range? Um, Salinas is that guy that could, you know, never make it to the big leagues or be a middle of the rotation on. So, yeah. you know, I would say Roybert Salinas is that X factor to try to, you know, put this deal over the top. And I mean, man, this guy generated some pretty crazy whiff rates in zone whiff rate of 28% last year for a pitcher that is spectacular Uh, swinging strike rate of 18.6%. That'd be one of the best figures in the, in the big leagues last year. And it was one of the better figures in the minor leagues command is a question walk 13, 13.6% of batters, but dude, he punched out 38% and still generated a 45% ground ball rate. When you're striking guys out at that clip with a riding fastball, but also still getting ground balls at an above average clip. Yeah, this guy could be really good. And, and, and you know, if we're, if we're talking about data darlings, I think Salinas kind of fits the bill. No, I mean, this kind of this kind of jumps out as the Harley and Susana of yeah. this <laughs> yeah, deal, yeah, right? Because so. it was so. in that Soto deal, it was OK. We obviously want Wood. We want Hassel. We want Gore. We want Abrams like Gore and Abrams were the high minors, ready, major league ready, top flight prospects. Uh, Hassel, double A guy. Wood. High A guy. And then how about Susana, right? It felt it felt like it was. And then how about Salinas yeah. here? And I'm not sure what the Braves think of Roy Bear Salinas, but I, I can promise you they love him. Yeah. Like the I bet you this was hard, themselves. but like when you're trading Mueller and Tarnick, obviously they gave up William Contreras, but when you don't have to deplete your system, yeah. And you only got to give up one one of your like favorite. Um, you know, guys that you're higher on than everybody else. Um, you do that in two seconds, right? Like you're yes. getting Sean Murphy, and you don't have to give up a, a Michael Harris type prospect. You don't have to give up Von Grissom even. Like, um, I, I I think they love Salinas, and I think Oakland knew that. Uh, and this was probably the one where like, uh, and and Oakland's like, come on, man, like you're getting Sean Murphy. Yeah, it's Sean. Murphy. <laughs> you don't have to give up much here. Uh, we're not asking for any of your recent draft picks, even like. Just give us Salinas. Uh, but to to answer the uh, double digits K uh, kind of question I posed for myself, he had several out two outings of 13 Ks. He had a dozen, he had 11, he had 10, he had nine, three times, eight, and then seven, four times. Damn. So this guy, when he was on, man, like he was striking everybody out and he's still 21 years old. Damn. Okay. So we're talking like plus plus fastball plus curveball. We'll see if the third pitch comes along and we'll see how the command comes along. But it's it's a really hard trade to to fully conceptualize because I think one people get caught up with the Brewers and I think also 
people get caught up with like the lack of top 100 prospects in the yeah. deal. But Ruiz to me is a top 100 prospect. Muller would be if he wasn't graduated. And, you know, Tarnik is, is a piece that's a 40 man piece. And Salinas, you know, has the upside of a top 100 guy, obviously not the, the package you're hoping for, but I, I don't think it's as catastrophic as my initial reaction. It's definitely not great though. Yeah, definitely not great. They could have done better. And I would have liked talking about two of those Cardinals prospects instead. But if John Moselak shut that down, then this might have been the next best option. Yeah, if you could get Yepes and Graceffo and then a couple fillers, would you rather that than this? Like, there's a legit chance that this this group, you know, accumulates more war. With the with the A's than than the other group, it it seems like the A's are very risk averse, which is which is interesting. Yeah, I very the interesting. Opposite. I would be the opposite when I'm rebuilding like this, but you know maybe maybe they're looking at it like we're probably going to relocate the team if yeah. we have the baseline forty man of young controllable guys. If we get that new stadium, if we eventually move, like that's where we'll spend and make an impact. If they're not looking at it that way, it's hey, let's field a, a roster, a baseline controllable roster. We're going to yeah. have some guys pop. We're going to have some guys disappoint. We pre-arb the guys who pop like the Braves do, and then we'll spend in certain spots because the A's have spent in certain spots in the past. They're not like the Marlins and some of these other teams that never, ever spend. Um, They have picked their spots. Yes. Really interesting that they are going about it that way. Yeah, I do find it interesting, but we'll see how it plays out because this organization historically has, has found their way to creep back into contention every time we want to count them out. Yeah. Ready to fly through potential debuts? Yeah, I, I'm going to guide you through this and, you know, it's just throw names at the wall and see if they stick. What we're going to do is we're going to work through teams alphabetically and all we want to do, like rapid fire exercise, max 15, 20 minutes, just who could be the guy to break camp on opening day. And, be and if they have any service time, they're not on this. We're list. not talking about them. Like we're going to start with Arizona. We're not talking about Corbin Carroll. Because yeah. there's no point in talking about Corbin Carroll because we already have. Yeah. Um. So starting with Arizona, I think the answer is pretty clear cut that it's Brandon Fott, right? Brandon Fott, and I think he's one of the the biggest dark horses for Rookie of the Year, um, in, in the National League because this guy can pitch. We've talked about it, but four pitches that he he commands well that get above average lifts. He was able to pitch on the moon. Um. I think people really are sleeping on Brandon Fott. We got him at 46 in our top 100 list. Uh, he's breaking camp. If he doesn't, it's blatant service time manipulation. Um, and, and I don't think he will because I don't think they'll manipulate his service time because I think they're pretty serious. I think the Diamondbacks want to win this year. And I think Fott's going to be a surprising you know, X factor for them and be a big part of that. Now, let me roll you through this. Starting five right now, the five-man rotation for the Arizona Diamondbacks is Gallen, Merrill Kelly, Madison Bumgarner, Ryan Nelson, Dre Jameson. Obviously, Bumgarner is the one that you want to get rid of, but uh, you can't because you have so much financially tied up with him. Who do you displace for Fott? Nelson? Yeah, I think Ryan Nelson. But I think it's going to be an open competition in spring training, and I'm that's going to be one of my favorites to, to monitor. But I think Brandon Fox just going to outpitch those guys in spring training. Like he is so advanced and and so polished that he's just going to it's going to be a, a competition between you know Jameson Nelson and whoever else or Hellman. You know if if they look if all of them look that good, 
you tell Mad Bum to kick rocks and send him to the bullpen. Like, who cares? Um, you know, I, I don't know if they'd do it, but and I, he'd probably pout a lot. But you know, I think I think Fott is not the question. It's going to be wh- whoever else gets dispelled. That's how confident I am in this guy. Yeah, and you've got a Tommy Henry and a and a Tyler uh, Gilbert as well. Um, all right, Atlanta. Jared Schuster is a name that jumps out here. The other one that jumps out is our Rule Five darling, Victor Vodnik, who did not get taken. Uh, yeah, Schuster. The only reason I I refrain from saying Schuster is because of that starting pitching depth that we're talking about in Atlanta. Yeah, you know, Atlanta is one of the tougher ones because that team is so so solidified. Um, I would say a dark horse for them is Braden Shoemake. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to light it up and I don't think he's as exciting as, as some of the other prospects that we're going to be talking about here, but especially given the uncertainty at the shortstop position, you know, Von yeah. Grissom, you know, I think he's going to end up, you know, tackling that and he's working with the defensive wizard that is Ron Washington, but you know, Shoemake is, is versatile. He can play a decent shortstop. He's got a good arm. He can run. Um, he could be that kind of super utility guy for them, especially if Grissom's, you know, struggling a little bit or, you know, just not totally getting acclimated the way that, that they were hoping it short. Shoemaker can plug in and, you know, see what he can do there. Uh, I think he's a bat to ball guy that could be a 700 OPS guy that can run and play good defense from the left side. It's a good scrappy little player and they don't need much, right? Like they just need a guy that can hold it down over there. The rest of the team is disgusting. Yeah, exactly. And and the only reason that I may refrain from saying Braden Shoemake is because they still have Orlando Arcia and yeah. Arcia is probably that third middle infielder, but Shoemake does scream controllable third middle infielder. I'll, I'll give Ball. you one other name. Darius Vines. Yeah. Good yeah. fastball. I think they could throw him in the, in the bullpen as well, but yeah, less sexy over there with the Braves. Got you. Uh, Baltimore. We could talk about Kowser. We could talk about Westberg. We could talk about Connor Normie, but it starts and stops with Grayson Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't need to spend too much time on G rod. I mean, we're talking about, you know, potentially best pitcher in baseball upside uh, four plus pitches. Uh, I guess you can almost throw in a fifth with the way he he uses a cutter. Um, talk about rookie of the year favorite as well. If he's healthy, that this guy's going to carve guys up. He he could be their best pitcher from the jump, uh, depending on who they sign. And, and this is going to be a really fun player to watch debut. I, Still think he should be their opening day starter. I don't think they'll do it, but like I legitimately think he should be. Unless Carlos Rodon is a Baltimore Oriole, of course. Yes, which I doubt, but would be would be awesome. I doubt it as well. Uh, Red Sox, we're not talking about Tristan Casas. The two names that jump to my mind are Sedan Rafaela, uh, depending on what happens here. A- and the other one that I think makes a bit more sense is Chris Murphy, left-hander that can you know, be a back-end starter or be in the bullpen on opening day. Yeah, I think, you know, Murphy struggled a bit in triple, but, you know, I, I still think he could be a guy that ends up getting thrown into that bullpen in, in, in some capacity. I, the number one guy I'm excited to to see how he does this year is Brian Mata. And I think Mata could end up being uh, this guy that we all were like, oh, wait, I remember that guy. And he's pitching to that ability that that we were talking about, you know, two years ago. Remember, he was kind of on the cusp of breaking out, hitting triple digits, dealt with with an arm injury and dealt with a few different issues. And uh, he climbed multiple levels, made up for lost time last year, you know, rehabbed in low A, made a couple appearances in high A, then 48 innings of dominance in double A, and then held his own in triple A. Given the state of the, the Red Sox pitching right now, I think there's there's a scenario if they don't sign guys, which we've seen them not do at all, Mata yeah. might end up filling in here. And, and whether he's a bullpen arm or a spot starter or that swing man for them, 
you know, I think if they move Hauk to the rotation, he might have that Hauk role in the bullpen and maybe being stretched out in spots, you know, very, very early into next year. And I think Mata could be a good power, nasty pitcher. That could make a lot of sense. The Cubbies, Matt freaking Mervis, yeah. your opening day first baseman, has to be. Yeah, I will be pissed if he's not on the roster opening day. Obviously, we're biased. This is a pro Matt Mervis podcast over here. And right. um, it just, what else does this guy have to prove? He's proven it everywhere. He's done it everywhere. He handles himself like a pro. You can see from that interview that we did. It's on our YouTube or on you know, previous episodes if you're just finding us on YouTube here. But uh, guy earned the job. He will help them win from the jump. Um, and if he doesn't, that's because he needs to get acclimated. So let him get acclimated as soon as possible. Uh, reward the guys who perform. Do the right thing, Chicago. You know, Screw the service time BS. Yes, 100%. Other sneaky bullpen guys, Ben Brown could be mm-hmm. that bullpen guy. Another one, Daniel Palencia could be that bullpen guy because the, the fastball is just stupidly crazy. And if he impresses enough during spring training, that could be a guy. Yeah, you know, I think the ship has sailed to a degree on Palencia, the starter, even though 20 of 21 appearances last year were as a starter. I want to see this guy as a reliever. Get him up to the big leagues quick. He's had some injury issues. Like, let's let's fast track him as a reliever and let's throw him in that bullpen. Uh, With 103? Yeah, with, you know, and and some of the command issues that he's had at at times. I think overall he he, he hedged a lot of that concern last year, though. But uh, let's let's throw that 103 let's throw that 80 grade fastball in the bullpen let's fast track him to the big leagues for a team that's trying to compete in the next two years uh, i think palencia is a great name to watch um one other that i think could surprise folks and get a mid-season call up at some point is is jordan wicks um you know if somebody goes down in the rotation i think it's a little bit more of a stretch so he, he's not breaking camp and i know that's what we're focusing on here but um yeah i i, I looking at this team it really seems like mervis is the only guy that's gonna gonna break camp yeah, I think so. White Sox, I mean, shit, their their lack of moves seems to point to Oscar Colas being in the opening day lineup. Do we think that's a possibility? I think it's a probability at this point. He played seven games in triple. Um, here's the thing with Colas. He's going to struggle a little bit, you know, if, if you promote him uh, and if he breaks camp, but he's going to crush fastballs enough to where he's going to be justifiably, you know, an everyday guy. So Lenin Sosa already broke camp or already, you know, broke in with the big league club. So he can't be that candidate. Um, yeah. I, I, it's crazy to say, I think Colas is the best bet. If he puts on a good show in spring training, you know, what he did in double a last year, what he did in triple a in those seven games, he might've earned himself an opportunity. And when you hit three fourteen across three levels, like he did last year and, you know, continue to hedge that, that whiff concern, He's one of the best fastball hitters in the minor leagues and in and, and a game that is, you know, overpowered by Velo, even if you struggle against breaking balls, he can be productive enough. And I think they might be able to justify the call up. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, Brandon Williamson, probably the guy for Cincinnati, right? Williamson, I was thinking maybe McLean, but not I don't really see McLean breaking camp after the struggles in the fall league. Um, you know, we already saw steer up there. Siani already played nine games. Siani already played nine games. Abbott's not ready. You, you want a little bit of a dark horse is, yeah. is Christian Encarnacion Strand. I like that. Because I think this guy's just figured it out with the stick. Like I, I would obviously like to see him in triple. And I think, you know, because he hasn't played at triple yet, they're going to 
justify buying the extra year of control by saying, you know, we got to see him in triple a little bit first. So odds are that's where we'll see him. But I think given Williams, Williamson struggles in triple to a degree, like I think it would be a little crazy to call him up too. They're one of the the few where it's like, is there really anybody that you feel great about calling up at this point? Um, for, at risk of, you know, having to name somebody, I would say the best bet is Brandon Williamson if he shows well in spring training. But, you know, man, they, they don't really have anybody that's a, a clear cut, you know, this guy's breaking camp. Uh, maybe Levi Stout, if he shows well as a reliever, uh, he did look pretty good in triple A with them in, in 19 innings. So uh, he did walk 10 though. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, of a head scratcher there. I would, I would say the best bet is probably Williamson. Fair. Um, all right. Cleveland got a lot of guys who, who had a taste, right? Bo Naylor had a taste. Gabriel Arias had a taste. Xavion Curry, Cody Morris, uh, Will Brennan. Is it Valera? Ah, this this is, is another, another really hard one. I, I don't see a guy that I think is going to break camp with the Cleveland Guardians. Like to me, I look at Valera and I'm like, I'd rather see what, what Brennan can do. I'd rather see what, you know, a lot of their other guys can do in the, in the meantime uh, that, that have either already been up there or have, you know, played a little bit more at the triple a level because you're Benson, not displacing one. And right. Benson are extremely similar. He's a more athletic or, or Benson's a more athletic version of Valera in some ways. Right. So, so Quan and Oscar Gonzalez are two sure things in the outfield. And then at the major league level, you already have Will Brennan, Will Benson, like Straw is still on this team. Like there's, I think there's too much traffic there. So my eyes gravitate towards Brian Rocchio. But even then, I don't know, sub 700 OPS and AAA. Yeah. Like, if they were in a pinch in the middle infield, then like, yes, because he's, he's so good defensively, but they're not. So, you know, looking at what they have right now um, and, and where we could see a guy maybe, you know, push his way up. I'm sure they've got several bullpen arms that could break camp, right. That, you know, I'm sure there'll be some surprise bullpen arms, but of, of the most notable prospects kind of in a similar Williamson light, like maybe Logan Allen, fits in in some way he struggled in triple a but he did finish strong with a with a with a solid outing and you know did show really well in double a i think that's a guy that we could see you know maybe thrown into the bullpen and then you know spot starting here and there but they've they're in this weird in-between spot because i think tanner bybee is going to be up at some point and will be a really good pitcher i think he's one of the most underrated prospects out there but with the delay of Espino with injury, with Valera not being quite there yet, Gavin Williams not quite there yet, Rokio not quite there yet, and then the other guys already debuting, um, I'd say Logan Allen is probably the, the best candidate. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, Colorado. Huh. This is hard because Tovar's already gotten a taste. Nolan Jones has already gotten a taste. Tolia has already gotten a taste. I'll tell you who. I think uh, warming Bernabelle is is somebody that could get up by midseason, but again, he's not breaking camp. Right. Um, Nolan Jones, like you said, already got a taste. Tolia's already got a taste. Grant Levine, but he okay. played a double A. Like this is a hard one. Ah, we're in we're in a dry spell right here with some of these with some of these teams. Ah, uh, I guess Chriswell. 
Yeah, they just traded for Criswell. After the um, trade, I like Jeff Criswell a lot. Criswell's a good dude. Um, ran in a similar circle with him on the Cape. He was in Brewster. He only had 10 and two-thirds innings at the AAA level. Yeah, but that's like that's probably the guy that's closest. That's the guy that's probably closest. If Tovar didn't you know, get the taste, I would have said Tovar. Romo's a little too far off. Montgomery, Thompson, all those guys back, they're all super far away. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would say Criswell's probably the best bet. Um, we Ryan Rollison already pitched in the big leagues, right? Or, or no, he hasn't yet. He Rollison, hasn't. But Rollison missed the entire year. I know, I know. Year. I don't know what the what the rehab process is there of of like whether they just have him come up right away or not. Right. Yeah, that's this is not the most fun team in that regard. Um, I, I guess it would be Criswell. Okay, fair. Um. How about Detroit? Reese Olsen started 25 games all at double A. Ryan Kreidler already got a taste. Oi. Yeah, we're 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 in tweenerland over here. Uh for for the teams, for the players, like the teams that don't have guys that can break camp, like let's just go with, I guess, the the closest. Yeah. I think. The closest is going to be a battle between Wilmer Flores and Ty Madden. Now, Ty Madden is 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 super super polished. Flores is nastier. Both had success in Double A. I think Madden kind of has that that big league you know poise to him. I think yeah. Madden's a guy that's going to get up pretty quickly, and I think we could see him in the rotation by by midseason. But the answer is 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 Mason Angler, right? The guy that they just took in the Rule Five. Yeah. Um, who we talked about, that's a guy that's going to plug right in. And uh, he ha- has to break him because it's, it's you know, rule five pick. It's, rule. it's it's rule number five. But <laughs> they're they're going to plug him into the uh, – I think they're going to plug him in and he's going to be pretty usable right away. But I would say Flores and Madden are the, are the two guys that, you know, have a chance to to do something early. But how about how about one other that I think could get up there quick is Parker Meadows. Yes. What he did last year and then what he did in, in the Arizona Fall League, like – Guy's really impressive and and really seemed to put it together last year. Um, we can't highlight Wentz because he's already pitched at the big league level, but that's another guy too. Right. Um, all right. Houston, Hunter Brown's already up. Yaner Diaz got nine plate appearances, so he doesn't count. You could point to Pedro Leon, but I'm going to point elsewhere because Christian Vasquez is off the roster already. Corey Lee could be an option. He technically had 25 at-bats last year. Um, at the big league level, you're yeah, right. He did. Damn. He did. Okay. I that totally harder. slipped my mind. Um, Justin Dearden had a really good year in double, um, had a lot of a B like 128 ABs and triple and, and held his own like 703 OPS. But, um, you know, they don't need anybody coming up. So it's really going to be just like, do they need another outfielder, another insurance guy out there? I think Dearden's a guy that could have a chance to break camp. Um, you know, Leon is, is just, like I know you love Leon. Like that's a guy that that could be that utility. You know, could be their next Jose Siri in some way. Who would you yeah. say who has a better chance to break camp, Leon or Dearden? I think Leon, just because Leon's been there for such a long time, and he spent like pretty much the entire year in AAA, and he can kind of play around a little bit more. So I would say Leon's the candidate to break camp, because um, I think what he did in AAA is kind of what you're gonna get, man. Like low batting average. Good on base percentage. He's going to run into some baseballs and he's going to run like the freaking wind and play some yeah. good defense with with the best arm maybe you've ever seen. Um, 
I think I think Leon's a guy that can break camp for them. Um, Kansas City. Samad Taylor is an option here, but I, I think the best option is probably Nick Lofton. Uh, Nick Lofton, a college guy, right? He was he was a Baylor Bear, for, former first round pick. Struggled a little bit in Omaha, but had a 775 OPS in Northwest Arkansas. If they need him, Nick Lofton seems like the guy. Yeah, so you know Lofton struggled in triple, um, but if they need a guy to to play some outfield for them, and again, this is another like second base third base like he could play every position out and then they've been giving him some action in the outfield so you know if they want to get him some more some more reps and triple we could see that but you know, I, I wouldn't mind being aggressive and throwing Lofton up to the big leagues and, and and moving him around a little bit and letting him get acclimated there with a lot of young talented hitters um I think Lofton's the guy that could definitely break camp I, I agree I, I think he's the perfect candidate I think the Angels have the worst farm system in baseball I think they might be oh, also, can I highlight Alec Marsh, who was abysmal yeah. one in 15 in double A last year, oh my got God. carved up or, or did the opposite. Sorry. What was mashed, but yeah. I think he could be a really good bullpen arm and he has such freakish stuff that if he shows well enough in spring training, they might plug him straight in the bullpen. So look out for Alec Marsh. Sorry. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. I think the A's might have the worst farm system and or the angels might have the worst farm system in Major League Baseball. Ohapi already has a couple of games under his belt. Silseth already has a couple of starts under his belt. Um, you got to scroll and scroll and scroll. Luke Murphy is a name that jumps out. Double A reliever at a two and a half ERA. But the sexy answer here, I think, is Ben Joyce. Yeah. Yeah. What are the odds they do that? Because I mean, I mean like, shit, I saw the White Sox do it with crochet. That's the thing, man. And and like we saw 13 innings of Ben Joyce where he uh, straight to double A, by the way, yeah. where he punched out 20 and walked four. Right. So like and that's straight to double. Right. Yeah. So this guy showed it already there. If this is another dude, like if he's overpowering guys with 102, if he's overpowering big league hitters with 102 in spring training, what else do you need to see? Um. I think Joyce is the obvious answer. Neto is not going to quite break camp, but I think that's a guy that could shock people with how quick he'll get up there. Um, most of the other arms that I like, like I like Kai Bush, but you know, only pitch at the double A level. I definitely think Ben Joyce is 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 the guy here. And this is a team Angels aren't gonna aren't gonna mess around, right? Like they need to win as soon as possible. If Ben Joyce can give them, you know, some value in the bullpen, they're not wasting him away in Triple A. I can promise you that. No, if his first pitch of the spring is 102, like he's on the opening day roster in that I, bullpen. I agree. So I think Joyce does break camp. I, I do. Okay. Uh, the Dodgers, they've got three guys that y- you could really highlight right now. One hitter is Michael Bush. Two pitchers, Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone. Of those three, who is the most likely? I think it depends on what they do, right? Um, you know, if they don't add a shortstop here and, the, and and they move Lux over, you know, now there's a little bit more room in, in the infield. Obviously, they've got guys like Miguel Vargas who have already debuted. And um, But I look at the infield situation. I, I think Michael Bush, because Michael Bush can play second and he can also play the outfield. He's really powerful, walks a lot. Uh, I, I don't think he needs to show you anything in the minor leagues anymore. He's he is like what he is, which is going to be high on high on base and a lot of slug and not a lot of value with the glove. Um, that's the guy that I think could break camp for sure. They've got a bunch of arms too um, that could easily break camp. But I think in terms of like the sexiest prospect, it's got to be Michael Bush. 
Got you. Um, all right, the Miami Marlins. Is it Edie Cape or Khalil Watson? <laughs> if Khalil Watson broke camp, I'd actually eat my hat. I- I'm hoping that guy breaks high A camp. But um, the Marlins, you know, it's, Yuri Yuri is not going to do it. So, uh, yeah, just to like throw some names at you right now, uh, Enright obviously is going to do it. But I'm thinking like if there's going to be another, Xavier Edwards makes yep, some sense. Yep, you got it. You got it. Um, Xavier Edwards is probably the most likely. Here's the thing, though, is they have so many of those guys in the infield, right? Like they've got Joey Wendell. They've got John Birdie. They've got even Jordan Groshans now. Um, But with what Edwards provides speed-wise, bat-the-ball-wise, switch hitter, good defender, can play, you know, all over the infield, Xavier Edwards has to be the leading candidate to break camp with this ball club because, you know, Yuri's going to be up there early. Um, I think it's possible, but there's no reason to, to rush him, especially with the, the pitching depth that they have. I think he's going to be that first guy that comes in when someone goes down or misses a start. Um, it, it seems like that's the, Xavier Edwards is the most likely. Yeah. Bryce Terang, you are a Milwaukee Brewer. Oh, Terang is a guarantee. And that I that was a guy that I was saying, like, make that guy an opening day option. He's going to be arguably the best defensive second baseman in baseball, I think. Like, he's going to be up there, uh, depending on whether Tommy Edmonds playing second or not. Uh, Terang's bat is going to be really solid for that position too. You know, I think the power breakout last year, 13 home runs, more doubles than we've ever seen from him. He's going to steal bases, you know, at a really high and and efficient clip. This guy is a really well-rounded player who is going to be one of the more, I think more productive second baseman in baseball from the jump. I'm, I'm a big fan of Terang. And I think this is another dark horse rookie of the year candidate. There we go. Um, all right. Minnesota, Royce Lewis already got a taste, and obviously he's coming back from a torn ACL. Matt Walner already got a taste. Simeon Woods Richardson got a start. He went five innings in his major league debut. Two names that jump out to me. Jordan Balazovic, who is a righty that was a deemed major league ready starter that just it kind of blew up in his face. I have no idea how the spring's going to go. The other sleeper that I want to throw out is Edouard Julien. I think Julian's bat can play at the major league level right now. Yeah. And I think that the twins kind of, kind of believe that now too. This is one of those rare. And I think it's becoming less rare because we've seen guys get caught up. Like I I don't need to see Edward Julian and triple. I really don't. This guy (laughs) walks with the best of them. And you're telling me like, okay, he already showed that he can, he can hit everything in double triple the strike zone gets tighter, right? The, the command gets better. The strike zone gets tighter. He's going to walk, I think, even even more. Um, even though guys have better command there, he, he just has such a good knowledge of strikes. And one of the best you know, chase rates I've seen in the minors. If Julian shows out enough, obviously they, they've got to figure out what they're going to do in the middle infield now too because they, they lost Correa, right? They made a competitive offer. They lost him. Lewis is not going to be ready at, at the start of the, the season, most likely, right? So Julian can play second base from the jump. Uh, we'll see how they mix and match and move guys around. But um, I think with their willingness to move Arias too, because him and Arias are quite similar, not going to offer much defense at second base and are going to hit and get on base at a ridiculous clip. He offers more power than Arias, a slightly less contact. Um, yeah. I think that could be an indication that they're, they think Julian's ready. And I think he could make that jump from double, especially after the fall league too. I might get an Edward Julian jersey if he did. I might do it. Uh, all right. The, so the Mets, 
This is tough. And, and I, I think the answer is none of the above, right? Because Alvarez has already debuted. Beatty has already debuted. Vientos has already debuted. Um, and even a guy like Jose Budo has already gotten a big league start under his belt. So I think the answer is none of them. What do you think? Like if I had to, to give somebody? I just don't know who you're Eric giving. Orzy or okay. Eric Ors. I don't five know. ERA and triple, but he's like a depth arm. 64 Ks, 14 walks, great command. I mean, shit. Of the notable guys, like I guess Ronnie Mauricio could be due for a debut at some point, a couple months he's down the road. He's going off in the winter league, I'll say that. But yeah, no, it's going to be like Eric Ors. Like that's that's the best bet. That sucks. All right, the Yankees. Um, Peter tried to convince me that Anthony Volpe should be on the opening day roster. And I said, no. Yeah, I mean. And that would be aggressive. Um, seven seventeen OPS and triple. He did finish strong. Um, Peraz already debuted. He might be the best option, though, right? Like, yeah, because heels already thrown. Unless the, the the Yankees feel like Clayton Beater can go in that bullpen um, after what he <laughs> showed with them, but you know he God. was starting, and they were kind of using him as a starter, so. Doug, give me Johnny Brito. Johnny Brito. Johnny Brito could be an option. Um, he was really good in triple. I think it depends on what they do pitching-wise. I would say Johnny Brito is is probably the best bet. Um, you know, there's always a chance they call Volpe. I just don't think there's a reason to uh yeah. right away. I don't think it makes sense, especially when you you brought back uh IKF. Might as well buy a little bit more time. Um and and then call him up a couple months in. Like just let Volpe get some more ABs in triple A under his belt, especially after, you know, seven seventeen OPS at that level. I think Johnny Brito is, is the best option. Really exciting. All right, there we go. Um, okay. The Oakland A's. Is it Geloff? Nine games in triple. And really, you know, I liked what I saw in the fall week. He's super polished. And, and there's a chance guys that have already had a taste of big league ball. Waldachuk, Muller, Ruiz, Jordan Diaz, Tarnick. I mean. Could Medina? Maybe oh, Medina. That's another name. It was horrible for them once. And it was a double. Q6 still far off. Colin Palouse? Yeah, Palouse is probably the best bet. He, he was... Oh shit, Noda. Like Noda's Noda's Noda has answer. to. He's the rule five. Ugh. I would say. Ugh. I would say it's Zach Galoff is probably the best bet just because of how advanced he is. He is so he's a pro's pro yeah. in the box and in the field. So if they if they really wanted to, they could. I just don't see the reward for them in doing that. But yeah. I would say Galoff is the best bet of guys who have not debuted yet. Okay. Fair. Um, All right. The Phillies, Eric Miller or Griff McGarry. Can I say Andrew painter? You can, you think he's going to be in the opening day rotation? I I think odds are no, but I think it's very possible. Um, This guy is, is kind of embarking on that generational, um, you know, like he he's getting there. Like there is a legitimate chance that, you know, let's say they don't call him up 
and and he's pitching in, in the minor leagues. There's a there's a legitimate chance that after a few starts next year and getting to see him a bit more, that this guy's the number one pitching prospect in baseball. Yeah, and and there's a legit chance that he's right there with Grayson. And I think he's might have a slight edge over Yuri. The more I've just continued to watch and dig in on it, um, there there was some conversation about having him on the postseason roster, which was obviously a bit far fetched. I think this guy could break camp. I think we're starting to see like why waste the bullets in the minor leagues when you know you're doing what what he has done. Yeah. Thirty seven Ks and two walks in Double A. Yeah, this guy might just be ready to go. Like I think we're seeing a new approach. But you know, I think the safest option is obviously McGarry. But you know, he he didn't have that. Like we're talking about similar amounts of time in Double A. The only difference is McGarry made a couple appearances in relief and in Triple A. I think in preparation to see if he could, you know, help out their bullpen. I'm going to go Andrew Painter. I'm going to roll the dice and say Andrew Painter. Um, All right. I, I I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very conservative. I'll say McGarry. Okay. I think, I think McGarry's, I don't think McGarry's an option. I honestly think if anyone, they would Miller. just run Miller out there as a lefty reliever. But yeah, I think Painter, I'm, I'm, I think they do it. Okay. Uh, the Pirates, like Pagaro has already had a taste because of the COVID issues. Um, Ben Charrington has already said that Andy Rodriguez is starting the year in minor league baseball. I think it's probably Mike Burroughs. Yeah. And he needs more, more time. I think. Yeah. Considering they gave Vince Velasquez a hype video, they're going to need some pitching reinforcements. They are going to need some pitching reinforcements. Like, yeah, most of the other guys already debuted. Would have said Luis Ortiz. He already debuted. Yeah, I, I think the the best. I mean, Jiwan Bay already debuted. Best option here, Paguero already debuted. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be Burroughs. Yeah. All right. There's Sandy. no way Priester. There's no way they fast track Priester. No, no shot. He made not what, the two starts. Not yeah. No shot. Um. Okay. The Padres. Like. Jay Groom, maybe, but he's been a starter. He hasn't been a reliever once. You've got enough starting pitching depth. So I go to the Golden Spikes winner, Kevin Copps. It, it does kind of seem like it's Kevin Copps time, right? But he weirdly struggled with command last year. 34 yeah, which was walks in, in 54 innings, which is uncharacteristic of, you know, what, what we kind of thought he would be. We thought he'd be that fast track to the big leagues kind of guy, which just hasn't been the case. I think, you know, groom was, was surprisingly good in triple um, pre and post trade. And so I think, I think groom is the number one kind of, kind of option here. Obviously Rosario, Eggy Rosario is going to be involved in some capacity. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I think it's gotta be groom and, and it'll be interesting to see if he gets a chance because I like him in that kind of swing man, middle relief, role yeah. and i think in short spurts as a lefty out of the pen he could be really good but you can stretch him out and spot start him too i yeah. think what i think seeing jay groom in that in that kind of swing man role is is the most likely scenario with this ball club yeah uh, i don't think there's a good op- option for seattle chris clark was the rule five guy so clark is going to be i think in the bullpen he's a big guy with like starter background that will be a reliever other than that they got a couple guys that are really close um, Bryce Miller, Taylor Dollard, spectacular seasons last year in double yeah. A. Yeah. Um, I could see with, 
with the data that Miller has and with the fat Miller has one of the best fastballs you're going to see in the minor leagues, shape wise, velo wise, it is unhittable. We we've seen them be aggressive with like guys like Matt Brash and, you know, especially if it's in the bullpen role, I could see them fast tracking Bryce Miller to the bullpen. Yeah. If there's one guy that, you know, makes the skips triple A as an arm, that could be the one guy because his fastball will play there immediately. And we know, we know this is a team that's you know pretty hell bent on winning right now. Um, yeah. Another guy that like might just skip because of arm issues and, you know, has the stuff is Isaiah Campbell, right? Yeah. Like, this guy can't stay healthy. Um, the stuff is ridiculous. They protected him from the rule five draft, kind of acknowledging, I think that, you know, this guy could be a, uh, a guy that's snatched away. They might just plug him in the bullpen and say, like, why waste the bullets in the minors when you're struggling to stay healthy? The stuff yeah. can get big league hitters out right now. So I'd say it's one of those two guys. Cool. Um, San Francisco, you stamped Andrew Painter. I think I'm going to stamp Kyle Harrison. I think Harrison is absolutely a guy that can break camp on the position player front. It's probably your guy, Casey Schmidt, right? Although he's a shortstop third baseman and it feels like they just filled shortstop and they're moving their shortstop to third base as of last night. Yeah. You know, I mean, Schmidt, um, I think he's going to could win gold gloves at third, but you know, Brandon, there's one more year of Brandon Crawford. And I think it fits with, with Schmidt's timeline overall. You know, he only yeah. had a cameo in triple looked really good. Let him play in triple next year. Uh, if you need him at a certain point, you can bring him up and he can play all over. But you know, ultimately as long as Crawford's healthy, you know, let, let Schmidt continue to, to kind of marinate in triple a Harrison, you know, Farhan Zaidi's talked about Harrison having a chance to, to, to break camp and, and be in that rotation. And, uh, if this team is trying to be as good as they can, which clearly they are, right? Like this roster is far off, but they're spending and they're making additions. Like, Kyle Harrison's going to be better than whatever else you're going to add at this point, unless you're getting Carlos Rodon, right? So uh, I think Kyle Harrison is definitely a guy that can make his case and, and break camp. And when you look at the rest of the system, they don't really have any other guys that that fit that bill for the most part. I mean, everybody else is is pretty far off or has already debuted. So he seems like the number one, number one choice and and could be that that painter type guy too. I think we could see two teams do it and they might feed off of each other. Like, oh, if they're doing it, like we'll do it. Yeah, I, I'd be very in on that. And Dave Dombrowski, Farhan Zaidi, like I feel like those two would be hyper competitive with that too. It's like, wait, you're going with painter? Shit, all right, Shit, my turn. All right. Um, and, and so much of the conversation has been Harrison versus Tiedemann, right? And the, I feel like Kyle Harrison would want to turn it into Harrison versus Painter, which would be very fun. St. Louis, like the, the sexy name is probably Jordan Walker, I guess. But I'm really excited to see what Connor Thomas can do taking the ball for them. Thomas, short, stocky, lefty, touches 92, I think, 91, 92. Uh, but the guy just gets out. It's like he just throws strikes and gets outs. Yeah, you know, I think I think there's always a chance that Walker could could break in, but I, the outfield play has got to come along a little bit more. I'd love to see him just get get another 30, 40, 50 games in the outfield of just just get comfortable out there. Like when I was in the fall week watching him, I he he was the best hitter on the field every game, um, best player still, but the glove just it's just not going to work in the big leagues yet. Like he needs a little bit more time. I think he'll get there. Um, I think the obvious choice is 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 got to be Connor Thomas and what he did in the fall league and what he did towards the end of the year is a ground ball machine. Uh, you know they just traded for Jose Quintana last year, right? And like he kind of takes a page out of his book with working the bottom of the zone, heavy stuff, good curveball. 
I think Thomas might end up being relied upon to be a back end of the rotation starter for them. And everyone's going to be like, where'd this guy come from? And he's going to be good for them. Um, I, I really think he could be good for them. So yeah, I think he's the most likely to get an opportunity, but one other is Freddie Pacheco. Mm-hmm. That was good last year, man. And, and pretty good sample size and triple as a reliever, really good stuff. I think both break camp Pacheco may end up being the more exciting and sexier option. Cause he's 24 with an electric fastball. Like you mentioned Gallegos and the other guys that, you know, Helsley that they bring up and, and, and plug in that bullpen and are explosive. Pacheco is that guy too. I think he breaks camp also. Yeah. Okay. Tampa. Um, I love the Jonathan Aranda already got up. There's not much room. I was looking at the starting rotation and even with Boz sidelined for the entirety of this year, it's still going to line up like McClanahan, Glasnow, Rasmussen, Zach Eflin, who they just signed and Jeffrey Springs. But Taj Bradley's ready. I think Taj Bradley does crack the opening day roster in what capacity i'm not sure i think they may go six-man rotation so my only concern with bradley is you know how good is the third pitch and you know can he get it there because right now it's it, it's it's a fastball in the slider and you know when the slider's not there the, the fastball is is good it's really good but it, it could be flat on him at times and i'm a little worried that he might struggle to, to to get acclimated to the big league level he's 21 years old and you know the rays are are very in tune with that and i wonder if they they want him to work on some things a bit more before they call him up i do think that there's a legitimate chance he does crack the rotation too especially if there is an injury though um yeah but curtis mead i don't need to see anything more from curtis mead i really don't um you know and i know he only played 20 games in triple a but uh, depending on how that lineup looks and, and and how they you know solidify the rest of it, Curtis Mead adds a lot to them offensively, right? He had some power. He's a really good hitter. I think he makes a transition right away. He could play third. He could play second. He could play first. He could also be in that DH role. I would love to see Curtis Mead make this team, and I, and I think he's shown enough. He's hit at every level, and he's just a natural. Got you. Couple more. Texas. Josh Young has already debuted. Lighter stunk it up in Double A. Evan Carter was a double A guy for six games, but for the most part, he was high A. Um, I mean, who is it? Owen White made four starts in double. Cole Wins stunk it up in triple. There a name here? Dustin Harris, but you know he only played at double. And this is another one of those teams that either has guys that struggled in triple or already debuted, and then the guys that were good in double. You know, we're only good for a short period of time, and then the season was over, right? They're mostly yeah. starting in, in lower levels. So there's a couple couple guys here. Foscue played the whole year in double A. Um, they don't really need Foscue, so I it wouldn't really make sense to rush him up there, especially with Duran involved as well. But Foscue is such a high floor guy that you know it could be considered. I don't know how the rest of the rotation, like I don't have it in front of me. Owen White, though, like he is so polished. If you're going to yeah. fast track somebody, it could be Owen White. He's got four pitches. They're all above average, especially the fastball is plus sliders plus like, and he really like, he's able to command the zone so well with his entire arsenal. Um, I, I think Owen White could be that one like shocking fast track guy. But other than that, it's, it's kind of hard to, to identify somebody right from this group uh, yeah. because Really, there's not there's not that many guys that that had success in the upper levels last year that haven't debuted yet. Yeah, um, Toronto. 
Hayden Younger, I think, is the guy for me because he was a reliever in college and then he got like some taste of starting pitching in, in pro ball, but he's done a little bit of both. He's 95 to 96. He's a short righty. He's got a good slider. Like that feels like generic right-handed reliever in Major League Baseball in 20 in 23. And they need, you know, they're considering to try to fortify that bullpen. I absolutely think he's an option. And then I think Spencer Horwitz. I mean, this guy yeah. has hit at every single stop. I know they got their their left-handed bat, quote-unquote, with Kevin Kiermeyer, but I, they need another one. And Horwitz can be that bat off the bench. He can play corner outfield. He can play first. And he, the guy has just continuously hit 2019 across you know, the rookie levels, he had an 808 OPS. 2021, across high A and double A, 862 OPS. 2022, across double A and triple A, 843 OPS. Just a natural hitter, sneaky pop, gets on base. Um, awesome bench bat that you could plug in and and, and could be a, a solid regular as well. I, I actually feel pretty confident that that he breaks camp with this team and, and is a great platoon bat off the bench. Got you. And then the last one, Washington. You want to talk about Cade Cavalli for a while? <laughs> Cavalli. <laughs> I'm good. Um, Cavalli already started. Um, Christian Vaccaro breaks camp. Yeah, right? <laughs> Elijah Green. It would, uh, with how much you're seeing guys spend on Vaccaro's cards, you'd think so. Dude, uh, Antuna hit 215. He hit a buck 43 in 26 games in double A. Um, the real answer here is, so Thad Ward was the number one overall pick in the Rule 5. I think the real answer here of guys that were on the roster is Jake Alou. Yep. Jake Alou. Jake Alou's 100%. I think, I think he might start for them. Um, you know, like there's a legit chance he might start. Uh, and I think he could, uh, Lane Thomas, whatever, you know, magic he was pulling off last year. I think Alou's going to you know, kind of dispel him once, once he cools off a little bit. Uh, Alou might not be the the most exciting prospect in the world, but look at the numbers. I mean, this guy absolutely matched last year. He's a good athlete. I think you can you can get by at all three outfield spots and certified good dude, which I know you can attest to. I've you know mutual friends with him that, that that can attest to him. He's an awesome guy, and you know this is the one silver lining with these shitty franchises is you get the opportunity for guys like this to break through and yeah. prove that you know they're big leaguers and. You know, if he's with the Dodgers, no chance he's getting a shot. No chance he's even getting added to the 40-man. He got added to the 40-man, protected from the Rule 5, um, and and I think he's going to get an opportunity. He might be in the opening day lineup, which would be awesome. I mean, shit, dude. He's He was a 24th-round pick in 2019, and, and here he is making his debut, what we think to be on opening day in 23. Uh, my parting question to you, I'm looking at the roster resource for the Nationals, and I can't figure out which one is more depressing, the Nats or the A's. Who's got the more depressing MLB roster? I'm going to go with the A's. Okay. Because the Nats have a couple vets mixed in. They have CJ Abrams, Abrams, Gore. They have Abrams and Gore, which like Joey Manessis has some sex appeal. Yes. Like there's just a little bit more there. Um, but both those teams are basically like watching, you know, more minor league ball for me. It's like more, more scouting work, basically. Correct. Um, all right, that'll do it. Thanks for walking us through that. That was a lot of fun. Um, we'll have a lot more, you know, obviously the closer we get to spring training and as we, oh, we'll be there um, as well, like we'll have more of an idea of, you know, who's showing out, who might make the, who might make the team conversation yeah. around it, get a little bit more of an idea. And we'll be covering that all, all, all through the off season Rangers top prospects coming out in the next day or two. Um, looking forward to putting that out. That should be pretty fun. It'll be another top 10, you know, kind of checked off the list here as we continue to fly through those. A lot of good content at just baseball.com. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're listening to the podcast, if you're watching and just found us, 
please subscribe. Uh, definitely excited about the content that we're putting out on this YouTube channel as well. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you as always for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you later this week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.